0: This is a cool verse. I'm going, to, I'm going to read it in context because it's even better in context. So if you've got a Bible this morning, I know some of you uh, bring your Bible in your pocket and you've got to turn it on and put a little code in. So I'll wait for you to do that. So we are gonna just go to Revelation 12. And this is really cool. Remember, Revelation, John's gone up into heaven and he's seeing what is to come. And this is what he says in verse 10. Then I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens. It has come at last, salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown to the earth, the one who accuses them before God day and night. And here's the verse. And they, our brothers and sisters, have defeated him. I thought you'd get more excited about that than what you did. Let me go, let me put it a different way. And you have Defeated him. See, John's up there and he's seeing the end of the story. He's there in heaven when the great proclamation is made. And he says, this is your history before you've even written it. You have defeated him. And how do they do it? It says they defeated him by the blood of the Lamb. And by their testimony, and they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. Now, I want to take five seconds and just talk about this first because it's really important. Sometimes when we get a scripture like this, we think, when it says they defeated him by the blood of the lamb, that somehow we get some kind of giant super soaker and fill it up with the blood of Jesus and squirt it at the devil. No, that's not what this verse is talking about. When it says they defeated him by the blood of the Lamb, it says they defeated him by the understanding of what the blood of the Lamb has done for them. See, all of those things are not aimed devil they're aimed us It's about we, we become defeaters of the devil when we understand what the blood of Jesus has done for us in relation to him. That was really interesting. I, I, uh, I've got a new iPhone and uh, every time I put it in my pocket, it FaceTimes my friend. I don't understand it. I've never FaceTimed this guy. But every time I put it in my pocket, it'll be buzzing and I pick it up and it's got FaceTime, Phil Evans. And I go, What? And yesterday, I must have FaceTimed him a few times because he rang me and said, can you turn your phone off? I said, okay. And they defeated him. You know, in 1938 uh, was a, an interesting time, just like we've got an interesting time in the world right now. And there was a rise of, uh, of militant fascism in Germany. And some of you may remember this. Most of you won't. Uh, I only know because I read it in a book, okay? I wasn't actually there, just letting you know that. Um, But a number of the countries signed an agreement in 1938 called the Munich Agreement. And it was a non-aggression pact with Germany. Because basically they were afraid of the war. And who could blame them? Because just 10, 15 years earlier they'd already been through one and it was kind of the war to end all wars except that it didn't. And so they didn't want to go into that war again. They were frightened of the conflict, and they thought, if we can just make an agreement here, like a non-aggression pact, we'll leave you alone, you leave us alone. And so what Germany said was, in the Sudetenland in Czechoslovakia, there was a whole bunch of German citizens who, kind of when they drew up the... The map after the First World War the, the kind of dotted boundary line went down the middle of what used to be Germany and all these Germans in the Sudetenland were now part of Czechoslovakia and so Germany wanted to get them back and the land with it and so they invaded Czechoslovakia and they wrote this non-aggression pact, okay you can have that because well you know those were kind of Germans anyway and, and we won't do any more fighting the only problem was that Then he found some Germans in Poland and he found some probably in France. And uh, before they knew it, it was 1940, about 18 months later, and bombs were raining down on London. You can't make a non-aggression pact with somebody whose chief aim is to kill you. It doesn't work. And Jesus said, the thief only comes to kill To steal and destroy. And see, if we make a non-aggression pact with the devil, say, look, I'm going to leave you alone, you leave me alone. I'm not going to affect your kingdom if you just leave me and my family alone. He will always say yes and destroy you anyway. Dutch Sheets made an interesting comment one day. He said, I was fascinated to find out that both God and the devil wanted to kill me, but for two different reasons. God wants to kill our flesh, that his son might live in us. The devil just wants to kill us. And if you come with me to that, that scripture, it's, uh, it's found, well, I'm probably getting ahead of myself. Let's go to um, 1 Peter 5.8. We're going to throw that one up there. We are in a war zone. Peter says, stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And this kind of operates in, in contrast to one of my favourite scriptures, which is it found in 2 Chronicles 2.16 that says, The eyes of the Lord go to and fro across the earth looking for someone. So God's looking for someone and the devil's looking for someone, but for different reasons. God's looking for someone through whom he might show himself strong. The devil's just looking for someone to devour. And Peter knows this. He's kind of not speaking out of theory here. He's speaking out of experience. Because in Matthew chapter 16, he had this marvellous and terrible day all on the same day. It started off really well. Jesus asked him a question and said, who do men say that I am? And all the disciples began saying, well, some say that you're John the Baptist and some say that you're... Jeremiah or Elijah or one of the prophets. And Jesus said, but who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says to him, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And then he begins to lay out his plan, how he's going to go to the cross and he's going to die. Peter says, God forbid, Lord, that you should do this. God forbid that God should do his own will. And do you remember what Jesus said to Peter? He said, get behind me, Satan, for you are a stumbling block to me. This is Peter who just did the whole, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. In a moment, he went from, hero to zero because the devil was looking for someone to devour. Someone who he could trick because he goes on to say, he says, you are a stumbling block to me because your mind is not set on the things of God, it's set on the things of man. In other words, your thinking is screwed. It's, it's wrong. It's defective. Because you're not thinking about what God wants to do, you're thinking about what's best in your own human understanding. And anybody that's been a Christian longer than five minutes knows that sometimes what we think is a good idea turns out not to be such a great idea. Have you found that to be true? And sometimes some of the things that God leads into us into is like, why are we doing this? And it turns out to be a wonderful idea. I, I don't understand with it about it, I just have learned to go with it. You know, and uh, I remember being on, a, on a, a, one of those rides. I think it was called Lethal Weapon. Who's been on Lethal Weapon at Movie World or something like that? Is that where it is? Up on the Gold Coast? And, and with, with Josh when he was real young. He was about eight, I think. And uh, we're going up, you know, how all of those rides, they, they, they lull you in. It's like, that's hey, not so bad. Chick, 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 chick. And then it rolled through 360 and went down a hill really quick. And all I could hear was Joshua going, I said, mate, close your eyes and hang on. It'll be all over in 16 seconds. And that's how it turned out. And sometimes with God, it's a bit like that. It's like, close your eyes, hang on. It'll get good. It'll get better. You just wait and see. So Peter says, we're in a war zone and the devil is trying to devour us. So he says, be alert and look out for the enemy because the stakes are high. When I was a kid, one of my favourite shows was, uh, was about the Second World War and it was B-17s flying bombing missions over Germany. And they always showed the bombardier. Who, who, who's ever seen a movie with the bombardier? And he's the guy that sits kind of back from the, the plane and he spends his whole time looking through this little thing with crosshairs on it. And he's looking for the target. You know, it's like, Hospital? No, that's no, no, not the right place. Um, orphanage? No, 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 no. We don't do that. Whew, no. Um, he's looking for armament factory. Press the button. Bridge. Press the button. Military installation. Oh, yeah. Press the button. They have defined targets, and I want to talk to you just for a moment this morning. And you're wondering what's this got to do with warfare prayer? We're going to get there. But Satan's primary target is our heart. We've talked about this before, but I want, to, I want to sort of talk about it a little bit more because it's crucial to us being effective in prayer is the state of our heart. Jesus tells us that the thief comes to kill, to steal and destroy. And Solomon tells us that his primary target is our heart. He says, therefore, guard your heart with all diligence because out of it flow the issues of life I've got three areas this morning, and we're going to kick onto the next screen if that's okay. Out of it flow the issues of life, or from it flow the springs of life, and we'll go through onto the next one. Your heart is his target, and these are the three areas where the devil wants to cause us to be defective because if he can, he will take us out of the battle. We, we will be not effective in spiritual warfare, in spiritual prayer. The heart is his target because the heart is the seat of each of these three things. Number one, the heart is the seat of our identity, because Proverbs says, "For as a man thinks in his heart, so he is." It doesn't matter what other people say about you; they can they can tell you that you're a great singer. They could, they could tell Jess and, and Luke and Joel that they've done a wonderful job time in the US and it was an amazing success. But if there's insecurity in, in their hearts, it's like ugh, we really muffed it because it was, for some whatever reason, you know, there's always a reason, it just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and the best thing to do is to express the reason because as you speak it, it sounds really lame. But for whatever reason... That identity thing crushes us and stops us from standing up. And so the devil starts from when we're just really small and he starts to assault our hearts and our identity. And and I reckon probably as I'm speaking, most of you are going, yep, ain't that the truth? I remember first class. I remember the time that teacher got into me and she just really laid into me and, and, and I came away and I never felt the same. I remember that time that guy bullied me and I've been afraid ever since. I remember the time when my dad let me down and I felt like I was worthless. I remember the time. And so the stories continue to roll out each time the devil reinforcing the fact that in our heart we are less than God has called us to be. You see, what does God say we are? In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, he says, You are his masterpiece. You are his workmanship. You are his great design created in Christ Jesus for good works that he prepared beforehand that you might walk in them. That's your identity. And Satan wants to steal your identity. And he wants to replace it with one of his own imagination, one of his own creation. He wants to paint a different you on the canvas of your heart so you can never step up. The second thing he want that, uh, that happens in our heart is our heart is the seed of belief. It's the place where we believe. It's a place where we have faith. Romans 10.10 10 says, For it is with your heart... That you believe. And if the devil can render your heart defective, he can render your faith defective also. And we know that faith is everything in the Christian life, isn't it? You see, you can you can have a mind full of all kinds of crazy stuff, but if there's a glimmer of God has made me for something and we begin to put our faith into it, we are on the journey to success in God. Because all that other stuff will drop off. So the devil wants to, he wants to steal our identity. He wants to kill our faith. Because what he's really after is our purpose, our destiny. You know, you are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, devil destroying works, warfare affecting prayers. That's your purpose. That's what God's created you for. We're going to see that in a little while. The devil wants to take that purpose away from you. Daniel purposed in his heart, the Bible says, that he would not eat the food, and it became a decision that determined his life. Number three, God does not want us to be ignorant of the devil's schemes. Second Corinthians 2.11 says, In order that Satan might not outwit us, there is a clue right there. For we are not unaware of his schemes. To outwit means to get the better of us through ingenuity or cleverness. And we should pick up from this that the battle is in the mind. The battle for the capacity to stand and fight is in the mind. And that's what Satan's after. Okay, we're moving pretty quick through this. You know... The devil's greatest fear is that you will become exactly what Jesus said you would become. It's his greatest fear. His greatest fear is that you will be his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. The greatest fear the devil has is that you, you will be all God's called you to be. And so from the time you were young until now and still today, he continues to assault our hearts to try and take us out of the battle, try and take us out of the game. And so... Try to outwit us. So we want to be smart. Okay, let's keep going. So God prepares us for war. And we've got a bit of scripture here we're just going to read. I haven't got time to spend any time on this. So we're just going to read the Bible. And this is actually going to be our challenge for this week, is to go back to this verse and look at it. So so let's read it together. Paul says this, Put on the full armour of God so that you'll be able to So that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm then. Do you think there might be a bit of a a, a pattern here, a repeat? Do you think he might want us to stand? Do you think that could be important? I think it might be important. Stand your ground and after you've done everything, stand. And when you've done everything and stand, stand firm. Then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, With your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. Always keep praying for all the Lord's people. I kind of believe that this is what God wants us to look like. Now, one of the things, I was nervous sharing this message, and part of it is a lot of the stuff that I'm going to be telling you is not revolutionary. It's not new theory. It's not the latest, greatest thing. And one of the problems we have in our world today, and especially our Christian world, is that there's a strong, and we heard this from Jess when they came back, there's a strong need to sell product. Because that's how some Christian ministers make their living, by selling products. So you've got to come out with the latest, greatest book of revolutionary, revolutionary ideas. 25 Spiritual Ways to Lose Weight. Yeah. There, there is only one revolutionary idea. Don't eat more calories than you need. That's it. That's as deep as it gets. That's the science. But there's all these these new theories on spiritual warfare and spiritual this. And if you do this, it will be wonderful. See, I I don't subscribe to that stuff. I think God just wants us to pray. The most effective way of bringing people into the kingdom is through answered prayer. Hands down. Hands down. It's even more effective than uh, preaching. It really is. It really is. You know, there's something about having cancer and then not having cancer that makes you go... Most people don't have moments like that when I preach. (laughs) I don't know why. But it really is. God wants us to become people that... Enter into the battle for our own hearts, for the hearts of our loved ones, and then for the hearts of those as he brings us in contact with through prayer that 's as deep as it gets, but it 's more exciting than you 'll ever believe, and we love we love I keep saying this we love what god's been doing in our in our life group people getting jobs, people getting houses, people getting babies we're we're really serious about just watching that making sure the right people get jobs and the right people get houses and the right people get babies because sometimes anyway that's another story so God prepares us for war and um, I think we're we are on the next screen I think we are yes we're prepared with weapons and armor. We're positioned by standing firm against the enemy. And we're purposeful by praying for all God's people. That's a, a five-second summary brought to you by the letter P of that whole passage that we just read. Okay? That's what he wants to do. All right. God has prepared us to war, And now we're going to get into the sermon. And I've got a little bit of time left, which is really good. That was all just the introduction. It was long, wasn't it? So here we go. Next slide. Sorry. Next slide. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. Another version, version says they're not carnal. They're not humanly. They're spiritual. They, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take, every, take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. This is where we pray warfare prayers, because this is the battle that we are fighting, and it's the battle that everybody else is fighting. And if we if we take that verse, we can see there's four things that um that Paul talks about here, and they all happen in the realm of the mind. Remember we said the battlefield was for the mind. Another word for the mind, it's not it's not your brain, it's actually that part of you that makes you you. Sometimes the, the Bible uses the word heart, sometimes the Bible uses the word mind, but it's the same thing. It's that Wherever your personhood is, that's where the battlefield is and that's where it's taking place. So if we can take these words, I want to take these four words, and the four words are strongholds, arguments, pretensions. Another word for pretensions is high thing or lofty thing. It has to do with pride and proud, another translation calls it proud arguments. Anybody run into them this week on social media? Things that set themselves up against the knowledge of God. There's a bit of that going around right now, isn't there? And we take every thought captive. And I want to start at the bottom and work back because I believe this is how it happens. This is the way the devil gets us. The first thing he gets us is with our thought processes. And this is where the battle starts. And Jess started to get into this. She started to to wander into this topic last week. And I was holding my breath thinking, I'm going to have to say, as Jess said last week, about all of my sermon. It starts with our thoughts. Who's ever had a bad thought? (laughs) Whose arm isn't working right now? (laughs) As somebody once said, you can't stop the birds from buzzing around your head, but you can stop them making a nest in your hair. And... The devil will put all kinds of thinking into our mind. It, it may start with a with a, a random thought or it may be as a response to something we see through the eye gate and, and if you've spent any time on Google looking stuff up, you don't even have to look up bad stuff on Google, it just throws stuff up in the ads and on the sides of the page and all this kind of stuff and so... It causes for us as soldiers of Christ to be disciplined in this area. And many years ago I read a book called This Present Darkness. Anybody read that book? I would highly recommend This Present Darkness. It's a cracking read. But one of the things that it does, it describes the way the angels dispatch the devils with their swords. And it kind of and they puff up like a kind of a big explosion of purple sulfur mist or yellow sulfur mist or something. And I imagine that when I'm fighting the battles against my thought life is to like pull a sword out and just cut that sucker up straight through an explosion of kind of dark smoke and then it's gone we have to take that position with our thoughts yeah we have to take the position that thoughts that come in that are contrary to Christ we just got to get a sword out and kill those things dead we can't Afford to entertain them. How do I know this? Throwing a party for my thoughts. Entertaining them. Come in, guys. Would you like a drink? And pretty soon the thought becomes an argument. What why do I have to do that? Has God really said? You can imagine Eve going to Adam and saying, Honey, has God really said that we'll die? See, it started with a thought sown by a snake. It ended up being something that killed their lives. The Bible says that God delivers us from our enemies, He never promises to deliver us from our friends. Sorry, sin is good. Sin is a good response. (laughs) He promises to deliver us from our enemies and not our friends. And so the the way to win the battle is to see the enemy as the enemy. And when a thought comes in that's contrary to Christ, don't entertain it, don't have a discussion with it, just pull the sword out and kill that sucker dead. Okay, because if you don't... That thought will become an argument and pretty soon we end up in a situation the Bible says we should not enter it up, end up in. And that is when we have a divided heart. Half of our hearts believe in one thing and the other half believes the total opposite. And the Bible says, uh, I think it's David that says, Give me an undivided heart that I might fear your name. The end product of having a divided heart is we lose the fear of God. If we lose the fear of God, what do we lose then? The effect of wisdom in our life, because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so, kill that sucker dead. Don't allow it to become an argument. If you currently have got arguments in your life, work backwards. Go back to the thought and begin to kill that thing with the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Okay, We don't have to explain it to the thought, we just have to tell it. This is what God says. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. When God's words end up in my mouth, they become a powerful weapon. Amen? If we don't demolish those arguments, they can become a lofty high place that's proud. Yeah, I'm a Christian, but I don't believe that. I'm a Christian, but you've got to interpret the Bible properly, which is a code word for uh, dismiss dismiss everything that you don't agree with. There was an interesting article uh, that was published by some theologian this week, about the whole scenario that's going on. And it was, she must have got her theology degree from Kellogg's, I reckon, out of a cornflake box. Because some of the things she was saying was just unbelievable. Anyway, but it becomes a proud argument. And, uh, you know, we don't have to look outside of ourselves, if we're honest. There's probably some areas where we, are fighting proud arguments right now. And if we don't, if we allow that proud argument to grow, it can become a stronghold and it causes all kinds of mess. But if we're willing to enter into the whole realm of spiritual warfare through prayer, we can begin to say, God, I identify that thing and I choose to agree with your word taking every thought captive and making obedient to Christ. God, I intend to agree with your word. God, this is what I'm thinking, but I don't believe it. I choose to believe your word. God, this is the thought I'm having at the moment. I reject that in Jesus' name. And you might have to go through this mental process a little bit. It's called warfare prayer. Warfare prayer is not standing up in a room, pointing your finger at the devil and making these incredible declarations and going home and feeling spiritual. That is nonsense. In fact, the Bible says don't do it. This is warfare prayer. When we come against the enemy of our life with the word and in prayer, get the victory, take our stand and then start looking around for others. Our children, yeah, our friends, our neighbour. And we begin to find the things that maybe have been said over their lives and we begin to pray into that. God, we speak their destiny over them. That's not who they are. Warfare prayer, warfare prayer. Now, I know it's not glamorous, is it, really? It's kind of, it hasn't got quite the same zing and, Wonderfulness about standing in a room pointing at the devil and saying all kinds of crazy stuff. But it's effective. It's effective. That other stuff will never bring anybody into the kingdom, this will, because it releases the will of God, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the whole key. Now you might say, this sounds like the message that you, you spoke earlier on in the year. Yeah, it does. It does. Because that's what it is. That's what we're called to do. Now, I've got about five minutes. I want to describe what this could look like. When you find, start to find your thinking starts to become obedient to Christ, what happens? You also form an argument. But it's not an argument against your own heart. It's a defensive argument against the evil one. And he just can't get in. See, you, you, you start to enter what the Bible says, resist the devil, and he will what? Flee from you. Okay? Once, that, once you win that resist the devil, he'll back off. He'll still look for an opportunity. But you, you keep going. That, that positive argument that you have with your own heart starts to become a high-level agreement with God. Not a lofty thing that sets itself up in opposition to God, but a high-level agreement with God. When you agree with what God says about your life, your future, your destiny, your children, your neighbours, your friends, uh, what you can do through evangelism, all of these things, you, they become high, high agreements with God. Not non not aggression pacts. You make an agreement with God that you're going to do some aggressive warfare against the enemy in your family, your friends. You get together with other like-minded people. Uh, Sometimes we call that life groups. And you begin to pray. You start with what's in the room. Go around the room, anything we need to pray for. Begin to pray. Begin to see God win the battle. Begin to see God answer prayers. Anybody got any neighbours? Anybody got anything to pray for today? No, no, we're all good today. Anybody got any neighbours we could pray for? Well, yeah, yeah, I was talking to my neighbour the other day. What about family? Yeah, oh, my dad's doing it really tough. And so you begin to put the circle out further and further and further. And pretty soon, hey, you know that thing? We, we prayed for that. How, how's it gone? It's incredible. It, it was all... Last Wednesday night, it just broke, and it's just gone. Uh, what time was that? Oh, I don't know. Oh, I don't know. NCIS hadn't come on yet, so it must have been must have been about eight o'clock. That's when we were praying. Shivers, yes, hair stand up back and neck. Conversation enters into about what God is doing in the world. Amen. Yeah? Warfare prayer. Warfare prayer. And when is this life group thing? Well, it's on Wednesday night. Whose place? My place. Would you like to come? Yes, I'd like to come. Would you like to know Jesus? Yes, I would. Would you like to be baptized? Yes, I would. Uh, have, you got, have you got any friends we can pray for? Yes, I have. You see, you see what could happen? You might say, well, our group's not very powerful. There's only three of us. The Bible says you only need two. You're already doing really well, three. <laughs> you can actually do this if somebody doesn't come. How about that? Don't even need a full house, only need two. If you'll begin to of the battle, of the battle. We have an enemy, yeah? He wants to kill us. He wants to kill our heart because he knows the heart is the place where our identity, our faith and our destiny issue from. He wants to steal our identity. He wants to kill our faith and he wants to destroy our potential in God. And today we're saying no. Yeah? Anybody anybody want to join me saying no? Some of you some of you today the devil's done a real number on you, and uh, you know if you could if you could draw what you feel sometimes on the inside it would not be a pretty picture I'm not saying you have to change today anybody willing to put their hand up and say no today no I might have believed that for twenty years, but no no that's not. What God said I am. Now, it might want to argue because it's become a proud thing. No. Get the sword out. Kill the sucker. Puff of smoke. You might have to kill it a couple of times. It's like Chinese food. You ever heard that joke? Kung fu. If you kill someone, you've got to kill them again in 30 minutes, just like Chinese food. You know, you're hungry again after 30. No, it doesn't matter. Let's uh, let's stand and pray. As, um, as I look across the congregation, I, uh, I'm tempted just to see men and women. Even some of them are wearing the same shirt, but that's okay. But what I want to see is warriors. Yeah? Warriors who take out the sword and kill the thoughts that try to kill their life stop them becoming I just got to give a prophetic word to that lady that was in prayer meeting this morning can you remind me her name? Yayesh Yayesh while we were praying for you this morning the Holy Spirit just dropped something into my heart Uh, and guys if you're going to get those challenges for the week that would be really cool Um, he's going to visit you over the coming days with this incredible joy and it It's not going to make sense to you or anybody else around you, but that's okay. It's just going to bubble up and your mind's going to be saying, I shouldn't feel this way given all that's happening in my life at the moment, but I do. And it's going to be God that does it and it's going to be amazing.